Somehow, it has been 20 years since Rob Cohen brought the world the Fast and the Furious. With a non-stop soundtrack and wild vehicular mayhem action sequences that still hold up, this brain-dead film touched off a 10-movie franchise worth billions. It also started the careers of Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, and Michelle Rodriguez, so there's that too. Neither me nor our guest hosts Chris Gregg and Joe Iglesias had ever seen The Fast and the Furious, so we decided to catch up and check it out. Obviously, we could choose any brew as long as it was Corona, so pop open a couple cheap Mexican lagers and join the family. It's time for episode 33 of Toasting the Classics, The Fast and the Furious. Welcome to Toasting the Classics. This is our first three-person uh, show. We've got Chris Gregg of the uh, of Guards Guards fame mm-hmm. coming back Making on the history. show, and uh, a new person to the podcast, Joe Glacius. Introduce yourself, Joe. I'm Joe Minaja. Uh, these are both people that I've known forever, and uh, I think we're going to have some fun tonight. What, what did we decide to do? Well, we decided to do something a little uh, off-brand. We watched a movie that none of us have ever seen. Somewhat astonishingly. Yes. Uh, That is considered, I I guess, a classic in in many many places. It's a saga. I know that. It was a time capsule, absolutely. It made a lot of money. It sure did. Um, It's also, I think, one of the very few, like, ongoing uh, cinematic franchises. Like, if we don't count, like, just the Marvel movies is all just one mega franchise. Yeah, we don't have many modern movies other than, like, Saw that, you know, we're going for, like, you know, more than five installments or whatever. It's the Fast and the Furious that we're talking about. Yeah, that's not a spoiler or anything. But, yeah, there haven't been any pauses, right? It's not like the, the Star Wars saga that's like stopped for 10 years, 15 years at a time. I think it's been a Fast and Furious movie like once every two or three years ever Something since like. 2001, right? They've had nine movies. Yeah, I guess and we do the math. Yeah, plus plus uh, at least one spinoff. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. Actually, no, two. Yeah, Tokyo Drift. Oh, uh, I thought Tokyo Drift is, isn't Tokyo Drift actually in the main sequence of Fast and Furious? It's, it's not numbered though. It's not numbered. Oh. Oh, does it count in the nine? It does count. We're, we're okay. not going to get this far of the weeds, but like it. But Why not? Um, it, this this it, show it, is all about the weeds. Tokyo Drift like it makes its way back in the main franchise by creating what I can only describe as like a closed time loop that is only broken in like, I think, the eighth or ninth movie. Like my wow. favorite thing about Joe is that he knows this despite never have watched. Any <laughs> right. right. Whatever you said, I did not understand it. Like you can say things, you can intellectualize the Fast and Furious movies to the point where I have no idea what you just said. Like I did not follow like the closed time loop nature or the closed time like curve that is uh, that is the fast uh, Tokyo Drift specifically. Yes. Right. Well, you know, you know, maybe that'll be an incentive to continue on in the franchise then. I guess that's so, why they didn't number it because it doesn't fit neatly in in any of those pegs. They didn't number it because they were thinking. I, I believe that like after the second movie didn't do as well as the as the first. So like Tokyo Drift, they so I think Tokyo Drift they didn't want to. Uh, they they were teasing with the idea of it being like you know a standalone kind of thing, and then I guess it did well enough that they just put a number on the next one again. They thought it would be a drag on the franchise. Uh huh. Um, Yeah, so that's a good question. I mean, maybe we should save it for later as kind of a overall take on the film. But like, Mm -hmm. are you guys a little Fast and the Furious curious about like moving on and watching (laughs) more of these movies? Like, came out of this movie enjoying it more than I thought I would, but maybe not entirely on the level the filmmakers would have liked me to. I had a few moments, especially towards the end, where I was like. I'm kind of unironically enjoying this part of the movie. Oh, I, I thought, yeah, the, like, like, yeah, like, the, like the 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 uh, the final like you know stunt sequence, like you know the the biggest extended Mad Max heist, like I, yes. yeah, that was legit good. Yeah, that was good. I enjoyed that. But anyway, so maybe we should do at least some kind of a half butted synopsis. So we were completely new to this franchise, never watched this film or any of the other ones. Mm-hmm, correct. I think I kind of had a sense of it, it maybe would like sully me a little bit to watch this. I don't know why. I was resistant. Even like we said we were going to watch this. I was waiting to watch it all week. And I'd look at it and be like, I really don't want to do that today. And then finally yesterday, I got around to putting it on. And I was like, I don't know why. I don't know why I was behaving like that. I was- well, I mean, the, the peer pressure aspect was definitely kind of part of it. Like I'm like, it, you know, Chris and I, you know, physically gathered up. We, you know, we watched the movie like, you know, in, you know, in actual proximity to one another as in the before times. And I definitely think that, like, yeah, it's, it's the kind of movie that like watching with a friend 
um, I, I think definitely added a lot to my enjoyment. Definitely. It would, it would not have been as fun watching it. No, absolutely not. Yeah. Yeah. And we finished it all of, you know, 30 minutes ago. So it's mm-hmm. still very fresh. Oh, it's very life. fresh. Yeah. 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 Probably if we were, I'm going to say five or six years younger and we had all been in the age where we went out to watch action movies at the theater when this came out and we'd all gone and just had fun and thrown popcorn at the screen. Mm-hmm. We would have been into this franchise. I was like, I'm not really a car guy. Not really interested in that movie. You know, I was thinking that I too. Just, I was, you know, I was trying to remember the last, uh, like the last like car movie I had watched before this, and like it was probably Death Proof. And Chris had to remind me of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mad Max has an aspect of car movie to it. I mean, there's a lot of cars. It does, but it's not the car fetishism that is clearly no. apparent here. No. Yeah. No. Yeah. This movie was definitely like in love with like the vehicles themselves. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it was like the it was like you know when you go to Seven Eleven and there's those magazines with like a lady leaning on the hood of like some kind of hot mm-hmm. rod or something. That yeah. was this this that was this for two hours. Absolutely, like absolutely. Ladies, ladies leaning against cars, and it was like you know, I was like, oh, that's a pleasing image. There's a pretty lady in a pretty car, but I have no intellectual thoughts to say about these cars. I don't know what they are, or why they're cool. I don't know anything about them. I'm just like. But it, it opens with the uh, somewhat dated great Panas- uh, Panasonic DVD robbery. Right. Yeah, yeah. This movie takes place long enough ago that DVD players were a hot of commodity that like you could get money um, by selling them on the black market. So they were fairly new. I mean, not new. Yeah. Like they, they they're extremely been- new. Like again, so again, going back to the time capsule thing. This movie, this movie came out in like mid two thousand one. The PlayStation Two was like had like just come out, or like or I think maybe come out like the year before and like a big part right. of like what drove that thing success was that it was a cheap way to get a dvd player i had i want to say i probably got my first dvd player and it wasn't an expensive one it was like a it was a low-end one like a little bit before that though i remember we had a dvd player when we lived at our house that we all called random house i lived there in 99 2000 like right around that time and the way i tell time by the way is i remember when third edition D came out i was living at that house did you really want to admit that? He just did. Man, if you, I don't know if you've been listening to these shows, but I have admitted some stuff. I've admitted stuff that'll turn you white. Like I just been talking about like like again, this movie like opens like really like it just gets right into it. Like it, it practically cold opens with like the big, you know, the big truck like, uh, big truck heist which incredibly is done by shooting out like the passenger side window of the truck as somebody jumps into it and then like subdues the driver. Oh, it's better than that. So clearly what you have to do is you have to get three cars to box in a truck, have someone come out the top of the lead car, shoot a grappling hook through the window, pull the window out, shoot a second grappling hook in so they have a security line, then jump in through there then they also have to what, uh, like shoot a dart in yeah, the yeah, back yeah. of the driver yeah. to stun them and then pull the truck over. It, this is it, the stuff that I don't know if this is because I'm old or, or what, but I, I watch it and I'm like, I'm supposed to be rooting for these guys, these like robbers, right? Because they're just robbers. They're not like killing people and stuff. You're shooting right. people with darts and putting, you could kill somebody doing that. And true. You're just, you're just doing it for money. You're not doing it for some noble cause. It's kind yeah, of hard to root for that. You know? Yeah, this is definitely one of those movies where like the leads are bad guys, but they're also clear. But they're also careful to put like worse guys in, you know, so they can look better in comparison. We'll, they we'll, look we'll better in comparison to like Tran and some of the other people out there. Mm-hmm. But yeah. the tr- but the that like we talked about that that last sequence where they go after the truck and there's that truck driver who's trying to kill him, and I'm like, I'm kind of pulling for that guy. That guy didn't sign up to be involved in this situation. We, we did want to ask your legal opinion on that, like and, and, okay. Like, with the stuff he did to be considered to, to, to stop being self-defense at any point, because we weren't sure. I mean, the guy's still honest. I, yeah. I mean, the guy's not really any danger to him, but I don't know that it's contingent on the person who's being robbed to figure out how much more of a threat the people still are. Yeah. When they started out being a threat, I feel like he, he was well, if, if it was me, I, I would say he's well within his rights to feel like he's in danger for his life during I mean, the they did shoot season. a harpoon through his window they, yeah. they shot a harpoon through his window they're planning to put a dart into his neck i don't you know who the hell knows what that's gonna be you know I don't, it's pretty morally gray <laughs> not gray it's really not even gray like the, yeah. i was definitely like i don't want these characters to get killed in this sequence but i don't know why i feel that way like i don't know why i'm like oh that terrible truck driver you know that it was weird. I kind of thought the guy Vince might die, but that that wound yeah. up yeah. not happening. But yeah. I or accidentally was way ahead. Yeah, 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 we, yeah. Sorry, that's so. true. That's true. Well, I actually I, I I ruined that for myself because I actually 
thought I, I I was like, I don't recognize that actor that plays Vince. So I looked mm -hmm. on IMDb and it said he's in like five more movies. So I was like, <laughs> oh. mm -hmm. I wasn't really worried about him in that sequence because I figured, you know, it's not, he's not coming back as Vince the White in like the second <laughs> one. Then, yeah. Okay, so let's get back. So there's this big heist at the beginning. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, probably how much do you think was stolen in that heist in terms of a dollar value? Uh, I mean, we're talking $2,001 here. I don't know if I can run that exchange rate. But like a couple hundred thousand dollars, maybe? In DVDs? I don't think so. Well, DVD players. So, so, so higher. You're saying, you're saying lower. Well, like much lower. How yeah. much do you okay. think a stolen was, DVD is worth? I don't know, but I'm highballing it. I'm highballing it because apparently the LAPD and the FBI are dumping millions of dollars of resources yeah. into dealing with this heist. So I'm trying to figure it's, out what. It's stupid, dangerous, violent crime. Yeah. So sure. True. I mean, that's yeah. true. That's true. The violent nature. But then we get back into the thing of like. Yeah. And I suppose it's also implied know. that's not the first, the, you know, that's not the first of those heists they've pulled. So. Yeah, I think they mentioned that at the end, <laughs> right, it's the a third string, one yeah. and they're going to have to take a break for a yeah. while. One thing I did want to tell you guys. <laughs> so I want to let you guys know we're going to do a little more free form tonight. You guys can have any brew you want as long as it's a Corona. I think I'm gonna open my. Uh, I think I'm gonna open my first one. Do you guys have some? Do you know? I real. I realized when I went to the store, I've never purchased Corona before. I've had, I had that same feeling again, like like watching the movie. I felt a little dirty doing it. Well, I mean, I've I've had Corona to drink many times, and I've gotten it at like restaurants and stuff like that. But I've never bought Corona, and I made the mistake of getting Premier. And I see you guys did not make that mistake. You've got no, we got the extra, but I forgot that, the lime. I told myself yeah. not to forget the lime. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I didn't get a lime either. Yeah. So I, I mean, what's the difference? Again, as someone that basically only drinks Corona, if like it's at a barbecue, if it's like thrown at you, yeah. Calories. I think it's like a ninety calorie beer. Yeah, which is actually kind of. But I I did want to drink the regular Corona. I just made a mistake. I was like, I had a I had a second of wavering, and I was like, wait, which one is this? Because neither the word premiere nor extra means light. And we have, by the way, a lot of Mexican beer at the store here. Like, it's definitely not yeah, a rarity. We have, we have Tecate, we have Dos Equis. Like, it's very common. This was not hard to find, obviously. Does anybody know anything about Corona? Do we have anything in particular to say? That you're supposed to drink it with lime? To hide the taste, yeah. True. <laughs> I, was thinking, not, I was thinking it, but you know. It's not, it's not bothering me. I've had lots of these. these, these yeah, I, 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 yeah I, I've had worse. It's okay. Yeah. There's a lot of things about Mexico that we share like that the United States shares with them. It's like the quality of the beer, like the ubiquity of drinking like low quality light type beer mm. is like, that's, I don't think there's another country that we share that with like the volume of beer and like the low quality oh, of the volume God, the, no. of the beer we drink. How good is the you beer know? in Canada? Canada has like, there's like Labatt. There's like some low right. quality Canadian beers. I, it's pr pretty kind of the same thing. Do, do you think Corona, well, like was this product placement in the movie? I see the Corona thing had to be. If it's written in the script like that, I yeah. think it yeah. has to. It might have just been to, to say that's what people... Maybe Corona wasn't as common back then. Also, but, in that same scene, going back to Time Capsule, like in that same scene, people are drinking Snapples. And I was like, when was the last time I saw someone drink a Snapple? Yeah. Movie, we get our, uh, our introduction right. to Paul Walker. Right. As he is... Uh, he's, a handsome, he's a handsome devil, isn't he? Uh, yeah, he's the blonde ingenue of this movie. That is the right. only way to describe his role. Gets very angry at his truck for reasons that are not explained for a few more scenes. And then uh, decides to go get a sandwich uh, and hit on the sister of a gang leader. Yeah, the, the sandwich right. shop that they're apparently like laundering their money out of. I'm not really sure why they have like this, like a bad diner as well as like their their legit like body shop. It really does. It seems like it wouldn't be a good use of like human resources that are more talented for like fixing cars and stealing cars and stuff. I guess he like has to have an office somewhere and that's, you know, what he's doing. Maybe. I don't well, know. they have, but they have like a legit garage, right? Why not just have a garage? So and as long as we're talking about like the sandwich shop, like um, incredible early line of dialogue here. The, Vince. Yeah. Vince, the, the low man in the, in the, uh, the pecking order of the crime family yeah, gets mad at Paul Walker for, you know, for eating there and, uh, and hitting right. on um, Ventretta's sister. And so the, the, and so I'm, and I'm already mangling this line, but like, what's up with this fool? What is he sandwich crazy? He's like, I like he to do here. And it took me a minute to, re to realize what this was reminding me of, but I feel like Tommy Wiseau, like either uncredited script doctor this movie, or was extremely influenced by it because there is a lot of like dialogue in this movie that oh, hi, came out of like 
you know, one of those predictive AI script bots. Is this your yeah. car? No, I'm standing next to it. Yeah, wow. Not a yes. Yeah. Is your name Hector? That, that's no, what no. they call me. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. They, they call me Hector. I have a last name, but I don't know how to say it. Oh, God. Yeah. What does that even mean? It's, what is, that's what I'm talking about. What does that mean? Yeah. Like, there, I, there are a bunch of words, but no human being would ever like respond to them in this way. It's I greatly enjoyed the dialogue in this movie, but maybe not in a way that was intentional. <laughs> you know, it, it felt like something that was a movie made about America not in America, yeah. and then translated into English, like after exactly. it was like, written. So they get into a fight, and then they decide, for no reason that I can really see, that there's going to be a street race scene. Mm-hmm. And everyone shows up, and they clear off the street, and the pizza guy is really upset. And he's like the only person in the movie I have felt sympathy for up to this point. I said the same thing. I said I said it right here. I'm on pizza guy's side. When we were doing but, our homework for this episode, that sympathy yep. evaporated when we discovered that that pizza guy was the director in a cameo that was a pretty solid cameo i didn't mind that which then led to the discussion of whether this movie had any subtly in it at all they don't actually explicitly compare the crime ring to a family in dialogue until like 15 minutes from the end there's a bit at the end so we haven't gotten to this part yet but this but it's a subtlety it's the only subtlety i saw in the whole movie is there's a bit where he's been hiding out being a cop all the time and like Mm -hmm. screwing everybody over that way but then he like rescues vince's life and then Vin Diesel and him just kind of look at each other. And the, you can see that the, there's a look that passes between them where they're like, yeah, like we both understand what just happened. So I guess we're kind of even. And I was really glad they didn't say it out loud. I had like a moment of being like, that was actually a pretty good moment between those two guys. And then like the rest of that scene is just like, I don't know yeah, what the heck what is going the hell on. What happened there? there you know. Yeah. But I, anyway, I definitely so, thought the two leads had the best chemistry. In, in the movie. Vin Diesel was like a nobody at the time. He's kind of like lightning in a bottle. Well, Pitch Black movie. had come out. Yeah, yeah. Like, Black, like, so, but that wasn't that huge yet. Well, yeah, well, like 2000, 2001 was kind of busy for him. Yeah, because like this Pitch Black and like Iron Giant were all like relatively close to each other. I think, uh, although Iron Giant yeah. might have a couple years earlier. It was 99. Yeah, and 99, that was yeah. This is like kind of when he was becoming, but like this was like his moment. Like, yeah. that's well, So the voice work thing reminds me of this. I totally, I mean, I knew this. I know Vin Diesel is Groot. Mm. But why, why is Vin Diesel Groot? You can't hear Vin Diesel at all mm-hmm. in him being Groot. All he says is, I am Groot. I mean, what else was he doing when Guardians came out? I mean, more Fast and the Furious movies, probably. Okay, I guess he just wasn't doing stuff I watch. Well, yeah, yeah, he came back He came back to the Fast and Furious movies like in number five, maybe. And then he's been in all the rest of them. He didn't do the sequel, actually. I didn't know that. Faster and Furious or whatever the heck is called. Too, uh, too Fast, Too, too Furious. furious. Yeah, too Fast, the, Too Furious. Yeah, right, right, the, right. The typography right. of this franchise gets wacky. <laughs> it's like some are only fast and some are only furious. So right. in our, our loose linear uh, summary, I think we're actually up to the first race, which yes, uh, right. was special. There were a lot of effects there that yeah, were not great. <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, we we were explicitly comparing. Well, we we're comparing like the v- general vibe of the movie to like a CW show, but then like the race itself was like, really, <laughs> yeah. like an early episode of The Flash. Yeah, that effect when he hits the nitrous and all of a sudden he goes into hyperspace. Yeah, like that's and that everything's around big... is blurry and stuff. Yeah, yeah, they're yeah. shooting those cars like they're moving at a million miles an hour in that race. Which I, I which I'll admit, like I, again, much like many things about this movie, is kind of on the uncanny valley of I can't, I don't know if I call this good, but like it was kind of working for me. The tempo of the movie, right, is pretty effective. It's like you said, the movie cold opens with a heist, and there's just like music, like boom, 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 like in your head all the time. And I don't know if the music ever does stop in the movie. But it felt like it never stopped. And then when the camera pans, everything's like super blurry. And it does, it's kind of like a poor man's baby driver. It's like the movie just kind of keeps mm. going like really fast. Mm. Like all through actually, the movie. Actually, that might be the last uh, car movie. Yeah, actually, I, it definitely is. Yeah, yeah right. that was a good car movie. That's, that's a really good movie. Yeah, well, that's I mean, a much yeah, that's an Edgar Wright movie. So, you know, it's, yeah, it's really not fair to compare that to, you know, many other filmmakers. Signature moment of that first race, though, is definitely. When Paul Walker has his, his uh, laptop open and it, you know, like flashes up and says, you know, error, error, warning. And he looks over and he's like, shut up. Hey, close the laptop. 
<laughs> I like how he's a like a like a street racer who has time to be messing with a computer while he's driving. Like that's yeah. Well, there's also like one like again like one, one like legitimate witty moment in that sequence as well, where like you know he's got his laptop open, checking his nitrous levels, and then like one of the other racers like has like his laptop open. We flip over to the third guy, and like he's just playing Gran Turismo like on the, like on like a portable LCD screen like in his car waiting for the race to start. But the, uh, uh, the race peters out with car blowing out and he gets, yeah. you know, Paul Walker gets made fun of and the police come and break up the whole thing. Yeah. And again, going back to like the like the heightened reality of that sequence, like his car doesn't just like, you know, spin out, but like rivets are like popping out of it. He's driving so intensely, like his car right. is like taking battle damage, like the Enterprise or something. I, I seriously think there's a lot of like Millennium Falcon in some of this stuff. And like the last sequence where... Vin Diesel kind of shows up to like save him from the like bikers. I was like, this is a little yeah. bit of Star Wars. Like, cause I remember thinking like Vin Diesel's about to show up right now. If we pace this like the trench same, sequence same, in Star absolutely, Wars, absolutely, yeah, and, yeah, and that's exactly that's what happened. Way. I was in there. Well, it is a it is a, actually a parallel to the movie where it goes here because after the race, Vin Diesel runs away from the cops, and Paul Walker sort of like saves him from the cops, and that's no, his way of ingratiating himself with uh with the bad guys or exactly. with the gang. Aside from hitting yeah. on his sister, so that's not a good way to ingratiate yourself to me. By the way, I just want everybody to know that that's not. No, I thought it was a spectacularly wait, wait, poor plan to wait. ingratiate himself by going to the sandwich shop and hitting on his sister every day. Yes. So again, like uh, just going off of like my osmotic knowledge of like the series and where it goes, like in general, like while it would not be fair to call this movie like sedate or slow paced, it's also not nearly as like completely balls to the wall as I expected it to be going by like what I know of at least people's reactions to like where this series ends up with like these incredibly elaborate like right. James Bond level like uh, stunt sequences happening. What did yeah, you see? It definitely evolves into that. So I, I didn't watch this movie, but oh, and now I'm forgetting what the two characters' names are. But the one with Jason Statham and and The Rock, where they're it's like a side uh, thing where they're in. Best in, of Fears presents Hobbs and Shaw. X yes, Hobbs and Shaw. There you go. Superman. I was gonna say Tango and Cash, I and mean, I know that's not right. <laughs> so anyway, so the, I saw the trailer for that movie, and it's just the stunts that are going on are like I think they're supposed to be ridiculous. I don't right, think they're right. like this one. Kind of, it's kind of silly, but sort of meant to be plausible. Like it's a little bit. Yeah, it's a much more baseline level of like augmented Hollywood reality as opposed to just like, well, I guess it is already post-Matrix, but it's not nearly as post-Matrix as it could have, as it will become, I suppose. Hmm, I know of a true. few set pieces, like there's a, a, a bank vault sequence where a bank vault is dragged through the streets by cars. And okay. there are a few other crazier ones. Uh, and I only know that because I, I watch a, a YouTube channel that's all about crazy special effects. Uh, yeah. The other in hindsight thing I wanted to mention was that um, it's also it's it's not until um, Paul Walker gets in good with the gang by saving Vin Diesel from the cops. And, you know, of course, we're just you know, not using anybody's character names in this. Um, it's not until then that it's revealed that Paul Walker is an undercover cop. Which again, right. like the, the fact that that's treated as like a reveal in the plot, as opposed to like something we're supposed to go in knowing, like Point Break or something. Well, yeah, and they they have their encounter with Johnny Tran and Lance first, mm -hmm. and Paul Walker's car gets shot up and blown up, yeah. right? And then they go back to the party, and you get your introduction to Michelle Rodriguez, basically, essentially, and Mia. Is Light. that is that the part where she says, "I smell skanks"? Yes. <laughs> yeah, and it's it's not till after the party when. Paul Walker is driving home that the cops pull him over and you get the reveal that he is one of them. Another right. completely unreal line of dialogue from around this point as well when uh, uh, in, instead of in saying to his to uh, one of his bros who's starting to make out with the girl, instead of just saying get a room, he says you can't detail a car with the cover on. What does that even mean? Exactly, exactly. Oh. So not only is that like a, a room level <laughs> comment in and of itself, it's also like a, another like running theme of this movie that like a movie about cars that is really terrible about car metaphors. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I saw something, I think it was in the Wikipedia article where they mentioned that this movie was a German-American production. And I don't know who was German, but I think it might've been the writer because it has, it's like you said, occasionally it has this English funny sound to it. Thought are they trying to convey with the words that they just strung together there? Like, well, we might not want to read too deeply into the German co-production part because this is also the era where there was there were some uh, tax loopholes going on and like there are some infamous like tax incentives going on with German film, you know, the German government producing, contributing to filmmaking. So did you guys recognize the Paul Walker's boss? We, I, I said he looked really familiar and Joe looked him up. So yeah, yeah. we know who he is. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's Buffalo Bill. 
Yeah, that's pretty funny. Is he? he most of his career has been being that character from this. Like he was in, uh, he was in Monk. Monk, yeah. Like he's in a bunch of stuff as just kind of the gruff, gruff old cop. But every yeah, time Monk is actually him, what I recognized him from. <laughs> yeah, not yeah, so yeah. much the Buffalo. He didn't really look like him. No, exactly. Yeah, he not looks different. Yeah, you can see it. He just had like stringier, long hair and no facial hair. When I hear I him talking, he looked a lot like Bill Cower. Right. So Paul, oh. prisoner undercover cop. Right. So Johnny, so we, we need to talk a little bit about Johnny Tran here because Johnny okay. Tran is, he, as we alluded to earlier, he and his posse are the worst guys that make Vin Diesel's posse look like better guys by comparison. Right. As in, you know, he's, you know, you know they're introduced writing up on uh, Vin Diesel and Paul Walker to like essentially take them hostage at gunpoint to like uh-huh. go to Chinatown to like talk some more smack at them, drive away, and then come back to shoot up the car that Vin Diesel just won off Paul Walker, which explodes. Yeah, they seem very violent. Yeah, but Johnny Tran, but Johnny Tran is also like the oddly enough the MacGuffin that like makes many things in the movie happen. Like the need to like give Johnny Tran money be, uh, for some reason or another is what motivates like the crime spree in this movie. Well, Johnny Tran blowing up that car leads to another mildly inexplicable scene, you know, where Paul Walker is like skulking around Johnny Tran shit, looking for, you know, looking for evidence. Finding but, all the DVD players. Yes. And then he, and then they waterboard a guy with oil. Yes. Yep. That was the, that was the exact phrasing we had. Yes. The, I think you call it oil boarding. Yeah. yeah. Oil boarding. Yeah. There you go. That makes sense. Which, yep. Was also the boss of Paul Walker's undercover job, who was yeah. apparently a fence and yeah, a fixer. Yeah. So oh, that was the same guy, huh? Okay, I didn't I connect those two. It was, things. Yeah. Final like heist of the movie, like the the entire you know the entire final stunt sequence against the against the truck is motivated because of another of a car Johnny Tran is owed that he doesn't get, so they need to go do this job to get him money instead. Just the fact that like Johnny Tran is like the MacGuffin of this movie just struck me as really odd somehow structurally yes and they owe johnny tran that money because he won the race against jesse and jesse drives right. away rather than give him yes car. gonna pull the report on that already what what, what that racing event car, what the racing event was called god in another truly tommy we so moment like only somebody that doesn't speak english would use that phrase race wars yes that's the one in the world (laughs) (laughs) wow you know it's weird we feel like there's a lot of tension at this event and we don't understand why we don't understand why we have to have like four security guards for every person here. It see it seems like there's like an a, an undercurrent of violence. I don't but know why. Like, but the first three, but the first three of the movie is also like white guys versus Asian guy versus black guy versus Vin Diesel. The first race of the movie is already a race war. True. I thought people were pretty friendly with each other. Like there was definitely like there were the Latin guys like standing themselves and the Asians were mean to everybody, but but the, but the latin guy was pretty cool like talking to paul walker i was like expecting that to be like a fight yeah, everyone hector- everyone trusted hector with their money i thought hector was going to go bad at some point but no he's just a chill guy it's a very civil race yeah. war yeah is there a word for the is, is there a word for foreshadowing that doesn't happen like if somebody's like if check like if checkup's gun just gets left on the mantelpiece because it's also around this yeah, time it's called bad writing yeah <laughs> because it's also around this time where we have the scene where um the crime syndicate are all coming together and bonding and there's like the backyard barbecue scene um and vince who is like uh, you know already established the low man of the totem pole kind of being edged out by paul walker joining the family like right. and he stomps off in a huff uh, and then, like, you know, he comes back when everybody's he's gathered around the table for what might be their last supper, perhaps. And he comes <laughs> in and he kisses Vin Diesel on the head. And I'm like, oh, wow. Like, are we really going to go there? Is he going to, like, betray him? No, he does not. Oh. His loyalty is affirmed completely by movies. End. Yes. How many pieces of silver did, did he end up uh, getting? Uh, yeah. <laughs> I have to admit, I was working on a little bit of scrapbooking while watching the movie. So occasionally, <laughs> occasionally, <laughs> wow. occasionally my eyes would wander. So if, if anything was nonverbal, I, I might have missed it. So every, it every now and then. It's sufficiently fast or furious for you somehow. Oh, yeah, sure. exactly. You know, Vince and Paul Walker competing for Dom's affections. It's pretty <laughs> straightforward. Yeah, it's pretty straightforward. That's right. straight. There's a point where Vin Diesel says, um, he, he looks up Paul Walker's background. I'm just using the actors' names. I have no we've idea. Been, yeah, yeah. We've, yeah. yeah. Although, oddly, those are the only two we've been doing it for. Like, well, we've been I'm, talking about Mia and Letty. I've said Dom a few times. Mm-hmm. I have Vince. Do we know what Paul Walker's name in the movie was? Uh, yeah, it's uh, Spellman. That's his character's, character's name. Yeah. His real character's name is O'Connor, like Brian O'Connor yeah. or something okay. like that. But his undercover name, 
which they came up with to make him sound really tough and hard was like like Ralph Spellman or something like oh, that. Yeah. Well, no, he, because he has Spillman, a middle name in there too. Because two different people say it sounds like a serial. Killer. But he looks he looks him up, and he's like, "How do you know that?" And he's like, "You can find anything on the web." Yes, I was just like, "Man, that that line sounds yeah. like." Something my grandfather would have said. Yeah, again, yeah, again, like the the, the two thousand one time capsule. Yeah, like you look yeah. anything on the web. Let's say, yeah. He basically said my buddy knows how to use Google. Yeah, I mean, did Google even exist in two thousand one? Similar similar vintage computing. Like later on, there's a scene where they're like doing like I guess with the, like the world's earliest computer assisted design of like this car they're putting together. Like uh-huh. like we like we we like we get the loving close up of like the high tech of like a of a, a three of a 3.5 inch floppy disk being inserted into the disk drive of their computer the trucker totally should have just called the police they were cell phones yeah yeah like i, I was wondering if like this well, he would have had a cb or something so, like anyway. someone pulls one out like yeah. they have cell phones all through the movie they, they do have cell phones i noticed there's, there's people getting called on cell phones but they're all flip phones they must be yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely before. It's definitely yeah. before uh, smartphones. So, yeah, like it's it's like there's, there's it's like famous in like the X Files that like you know to keep you know to keep people like separated and like in danger. Like it, uh, apparently, in, like almost every episode of the X Files, like somebody drops their phone or like has it taken from them and smashed. You know who's terrible in this movie? And I was really glad wasn't in the rest of the movie. Ja Rule. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. Very I, small role for Ja Rule. I really thought he was going to be like a major character in the whole film. So, so I yeah, so I was kind of wondering if like like when Exhibit was going to turn up, but apparently he's later in the franchise. Did we discuss whether or not Jesse was gay? Did we discuss what was going on with that? Because I had this moment where he's gushing about how hot Paul Walker is. And I was like, oh, this is kind of like a muscly movie for 2001. And there's a gay character. I was like, that's like something that you would see in 2020. But I was kind of surprised to see it. And then that didn't. That like completely dropped. I did note that for whatever reason, like he that character also had like painted nails. Like, I could you know, see I could see in two thousand one that be taking as like a piece of evidence that a character was gay. Queer coding. Paint- yeah. Yeah, but then, but then it is another character, Vince, who spends the entire movie wearing like a mesh tank top. So I don't know. Right, and does literally kiss Vince, the, uh, Vince true, on yes. the head, mm-hmm. and is is upset about losing his affections to Paul Walker. I think it's just fair to say that there is there is a vibe in this movie. I honestly think in those days, and maybe I was just really naive, I I think people were just more blind to that kind of thing. The Vils people were not considered to be like a gay act. Yeah, exactly. Or George Michael. Everybody was surprised that George Michael was gay. I I went to Abercrombie and Fitch one time, right? And this guy, Tommy, I knew in college who was gay was like, oh, like that's a store for gay guys. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he was like, haven't you been in there? Like everything about it is like for gay men. I was like, what do you mean? And I looked at the bag I had just bought and I had looked at it. And what I saw was two guys with their shirts off, like talking to each other. I didn't process. And I'm looking and they're like, they've got their arms around each other and their bare shirt. I'm like, how did I not see <laughs> that is a hundred percent a gay image. What, a, what, how blind am I to that? Did it just, you can name, name your, your gay character Dom and not tell anyone and <laughs> nobody would notice. Like mentally this movie oh. Is no. like five or six years old to me. Blown I was away, away that it came out in two thousand one. I thought yes. it was like two thousand seven or eight or something. Yeah, it, that's what I mean. I mean, that was just I was like, whoa, wait a minute. I mean, I guess if I thought about it, there are nine sequels. Yeah, it would have to I, be a long time. Ago, I mean, but. I mean, that's just that's just part of that's just part of getting old. You just have the the flow of time just becomes less remarkable. So, it's, what's the opposite of time dilation? It's like the opposite time of compression. Time, time compression. Yeah, there's like a big time compression factor. Yeah. Uh, they, oh wait, wait, that's right. We reached race wars. We we right. got two race wars we got through the oil boarding we're good we're about to get up to the uh any, subtle did, the uh sorry the tragic backstory of dom yes and but, the uh the the date interrogation but speaking of race wars i know we, we were talking about this before but did anybody Dave, I, I, I hope that that clip is taken out of context and there's like an are you chip of that oh, God, totally, <laughs> speaking of race wars <laughs> speaking of race wars have you guys bought your ammunition you know no um no like i was thinking they're out there in the california desert and i was like is nobody else thinking they're going to run into charles manson out there like if he's like they're preparing for the race wars i i totally <laughs> thought clip like there's a clip in this movie of somebody just saying it like it's all about race wars and like i am positive that there's somebody's there's somebody's like hours long <laughs> youtube video you know like about this franchise that just uses that clip to like punctuate several other sentences i feel like yeah. you probably scrubs off a lot of race war content uh, boy i would not take that bet <laughs> so here's something i didn't understand and perhaps this is just like a like a quixotic 
thing to not understand. But why did Paul Walker suddenly tell the girl that he was a, that he was a cop? That is an interesting choice that the movie makes, and I I think he's trying to come clean, and he uh-huh. he wants to protect them as opposed to bust them. Is this the point at which we mentioned Point Break? Because I really think pause. I've never seen Point Break. Neither is he. Neither have I. Yeah, it's a little bit like Point Break. It's got Point Break. It's got to be right. Because who was going to play the? Oh, it was Timothy Oliphant that they wanted to play the Dom character. Mm-hmm. Oh, that would be really good. I, I I love him, but I was like, was he famous in two thousand one? Did people know? I guess Go was like nineteen ninety nine. Go was like, yeah, right? like, like ninety seven, something like that. Eminem was also up for the for that role, but he turned it down to Eight Mile. All right, you ruined it. That's my biggest surprise of the movie was that this could have been Eminem playing yeah. this character, playing Paul Walker's character, right? I thought it was Vin Diesel's, but maybe I just no. I think it's supposed. To, I think it was Paul Walker's character that was going to be Eminem. Maybe maybe I'm. Uh... So he did he did Eight Mile instead of this, and I actually think that was a good choice because I don't think he would have been great in this, and Eight Mile was like the biggest thing he ever did. You're can, right. you, can you imagine him playing a cop? No, mm-hmm. Mark Wahlberg and Christian Bale were were up for the Paul Walker role. Eminem, just to look at him, would have been way more plausible as an undercover cop. Your first thought when you see Paul Walker walk into a place like that would be like, "Oh, there's a cop, right?" That'd be the worst person to send in as an undercover agent. I mean, I my yeah. thought was, "Oh, there's a male model." Yes, yes, he, he, right, has, right, he has extremely right. strong himbo vibes in this movie. Here's a bad choice that was made by an actor. Okay, Vin Diesel didn't do the sequel to this. Do you know why Vin Diesel didn't do the sequel to Fast and the Furious? I don't know that. Making some other terrible movie? He chose to do Chronicles of Riddick. Oh, which I mean, which actually liked, which actually did like Chronicles of Riddick, but it was a total flop. Well, and... I, I think he, he produced that movie. I know he produced the next one, so but I think it, he put it, a lot it, of his own capital. Yeah, it was, it's, fair to, it's fair to call that a passion project for him. So, like, I can't really fault him for chasing this dream. And I, I do actually kind of like that movie. I, I kind of like I, I did all too. Riddick movies in, in a very specific way. I don't think they're great movies, but I think they're, they're fun and interesting. Wait, is there a third one? I think so. I don't know what it is. I never saw it, but I saw, I saw obviously, yeah, there's well, there's this, there's a sequel to Pitch Black. Right, but I don't think. But, no, no, no. I think there's a like a oh, like a pitch no, black two. Yeah, like a pitch black two. I think maybe I'm maybe I'm mistaken, but so I think the, we can be excused for not being able to remember this plot. By the way, like there's oh, definitely I, some there's definitely some there, there, there problems with time. logical, you know, logical flow in this. In there were several times this movie where like I wanted to find briefly blacked out and missed like the transition that, that, that made like yes. one scene following another make yes. sense. Well, I, that's I why. I thought one of the big things that was missing was so, so Buffalo Bill accuses him of having gone native, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And I was like, "What are you talking about? I haven't seen any interaction between these people that would make me feel like they they would be friends." I it, it seems like an undercover cop faking faking these guys out. I I didn't well, I didn't feel any bonding between the people really. Like, so I think what happened was he slept with Dom's sister. He gets the call that morning that they're gonna the cops are gonna move. And arrest Johnny Tran, right? And he's told, you know, say yes if you're okay with that. And he says yes. So, mm-hmm. it was her name Mia? Mia? No, it's later. It's later. It's later when he tells her. Okay. He goes. He goes to. It's not race wars, but there's another race after race wars, right? No, race wars is the last street race of the movie. He gets her. So there's like some kind of party. I guess it's after race. That's wars. race war. Kind of, yeah. That's like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like the post tailgate party it, of race it's wars. When, it's when right. Dom and the three other chuckleheads leave to do their crime, crime right. thing. Right. And, and he's like, where are they going? Catch them, he has to tell Letty and convince her to drive to catch them and stop uh, so that they won't get arrested. I don't buy his conversion. I oh, just felt like that not. came out of nowhere. Like I was, well, and that goes back to well, and that goes back to earlier where I don't buy anyone as having charisma with anyone in this movie. Like I think Vin Diesel's decently charismatic in it, but I really don't feel like there's anything that can be called chemistry. You know what? It's you know what it's similar to, and this is I think, but the Matrix, the bit mm-hmm. where Neo is suddenly in love with Trinity at the end. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, they have no chemistry. Right. And I was like, there was nothing happened between. They were just like, I guess we're the two best, like best looking people in this movie, so we should hook up. I was yeah. like, I did not buy that at all, and it felt like that. It was like a, like a relationship ex machina. All of a sudden, at the end of the movie, and you're supposed to buy it. That that bothers me every time that happens because all well, you'd have to do is they show on their date is him asking her about the rest of the people she's with and how they all got together. Yeah. Like the only kind of interesting scene she's in actually 
is the scene where she is in the kitchen with Paul Walker and Vince and Vince comes in and she, you know, Vince tells her about this restaurant that they went to and she turns back to Paul Walker is like, oh, well, you can take me there. I like that. I, yeah. That made me like her. Mm-hmm. Michelle, Michelle, uh, Michelle um, Rodriguez Rodriguez. is way better. I like her a lot. She's way better in this. I don't know if I'd say she was great in it, but I just like her more. I don't know. She's just more charismatic. She's more charismatic. Her part is a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. She brings brings a lot of attitude to it. Yeah. Yeah. She she gets to be kind of a dirtbag, which is fun. Yeah. She's, she's super like jealous and crazy. And like, I also thought it was really funny to see like Vin Diesel obviously had a lot of control over this movie. Yeah. He had a lot of input in the script. They said that he did. They worked on the rewrites and stuff. So like Paul Walker was never allowed to beat him in a race. Essentially, <laughs> like the only race Paul Walker wins is that that street race um, against the producer of the movie. Right. The guy in the Ferrari is the producer. Uh, yeah, when, right. when Vin Diesel is in the car with him. So Paul Walker can win that race. And, you know, like Paul Walker has a sex scene. So Vin Diesel immediately has to have a sex scene with Michelle Rodriguez. So do you guys think that an undercover cop, uh, this happens in the movies a lot, but do undercover cops suddenly become SWAT team guys? I feel like those are separate skills. have enough character points to specialize in both. No. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, he exactly. wears a mask. It, it's good yeah. to have him there because he knows what to look for, I guess. But I guess so. doesn't seem really practical. Another incredible scene of no. this, John, Johnny McGuffin Tran is rolled up uh, like at a family dinner in a completely soundless scene, uh, you know, montage, except for like his disapproving father slaps him across the face with like reverb. Just like incredible telenovela energy happening right there. Maybe it's just a lesson because he says something about how they arrested me in front of my family. Maybe it's just, it's just supposed me to be in front of my family. They right? brought yeah. shame to his family. Yeah, exactly. I think there's just sort of supposed to. I think there's supposed to be a family theme in this movie. They forgot to do it in the first half of the movie. It gets mentioned a little bit towards the end. And like, mm-hmm. But so there's definitely. I gather some, the writers really pick it up and run with it for the rest of the nine sagas. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I gather that from the memes I've seen of, yeah. of Vin Diesel talking about family. Yeah, very Olive Garden. You know, you were mentioning the part where. Uh, Vin Diesel or Dom I'll, I, I do actually know the character's name he's riding with Paul Walker in the part where he races the Ferrari guy right. there's a couple of scenes where these guys who are like these like crazy street racer guys they're riding while someone else is driving and they're like holding onto the Jesus bar like my mom you know like, <laughs> like completely unmanned by having somebody else drive like yes pretty funny yep. Yeah. Oh no, actually that is Mia's only good scene when like after the date um, with Paul Walker, she's like, let's get out of here and go for a drive. And then we get to her behind the steering wheel driving like a oh, fucking yeah. maniac. Oh, yeah, and Paul Walker holding on to the holding on to the edge oh, of the yeah. car. Jesus take the wheel, like, yeah. Clutching his pearls while she drives. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I guess we can probably talk about that that big set piece heist, the final heist. Yes, yes. Yes. Yeah. I think the last bit, so Dom and his team are going after the truck which is essentially just another truck with a bunch of electronics on it that they're trying to steal. I thought I was watching that and I, I have to say, I unironically enjoyed that part of the movie. Right. Yeah. I thought that like, was, I was like, this I, is a yeah, good action sequence. Like Vince gets hurt and it seems like it's ridiculous that people are on top of the hoods of cars that, while they're moving, obviously, but he seems to be getting like legitimately injured and like every, everybody seems afraid, like they might crash and stuff. It, it really kind of it got me. That part worked. I was like, "This yeah, is pretty the, effective." The wire wrapped around his arm was really effective. I thought, that yeah, was it really was. It really was. And then he's hurt very badly afterwards. And Paul Walker's kind of like checking him out. I hate. I think we've talked about this on the podcast before, but I hate it when people tie tourniquets. Yeah. They do it all the time. I was just watching Walking Dead, and a guy gets stabbed in the leg, ties a tourniquet around his leg, and then walks off. You know, to carry on the rest of his day, and I'm like, that's not what a tourniquet's oh, for. That's not. But like, Paul Walker puts a tourniquet on this guy's arm, and he's like, he's losing a lot of blood. He's going to die in like ten minutes if we don't get him. I'm like, that's when you use a tourniquet. Yeah, when and someone's I, I going think to he actually die. even diagnoses an, an artery has been cut. Uh-huh. Yeah, exactly, so exactly. So totally, that yeah, was it's, it's that was accurate. one of the best uses of that I've seen in a movie. And I was like, that's I don't know where that where that writer come from. Like, did they have was the guy's girlfriend a doctor, and she pointed out a few things in the movie? Like, having talked to you. Now mm-hmm. every time I see any piece of media where they have to dig a bullet out, oh my god, just yeah. dig someone up. Yes, yes. I, I look over at a friend of mine. I'm like, yeah, Karina would not approve. No, no. Every <laughs> time just the problem with being shot is that you have a bullet inside your body, and once that bullet is removed, whew, you're good. There's no more <laughs> problem with being shot. Like yeah, your healing factor will just seal up that that entry. Yeah, that that yes. tunnel no. dug through you. It's- I actually liked so that so we got to the, to the heist sequence, which, like I said, I unironically liked. 
And yeah, I agreed, was, agreed. I was yeah, on board. Stuff. I was on board for the bit where I, I mean, the part where Jesse gets killed is super cheesy when he gets O dogs and oh, they're yeah. just shot by the drive it drive by for like now that was unmotivated and unnecessary. Oh my god, we hear the motorcycles coming. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Just stop and yeah, have yeah, right. like every spider sense goes off. It's so overwrought the way they can like smell it coming. It's weird. Yes. That leads to so that was bad, but then it leads to a chase sequence with the bikes, which is pretty good. The only negative thing I have to say about that is they're driving around in the daytime in LA and there are no other cars on the road. Yeah. Yeah. There's somewhere up in the Hollywood Hills. It looks like from the way the cars are bouncing. Yeah. 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 The truck scene is just like out in the desert somewhere. So, you know, yeah, you can, you can excuse that. There's no way I buy that. I buy buy that. Yeah. Yeah. Until they are next to each other. And for some reason they decide to have a race. And I was just yeah. like, "What? What's happening? Why are they racing?" But he lives his life a quarter mile at a time. But, right. So, was that line actually in this movie? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, he did. He I did mean, say that. Right, that was so, after. That was after the uh, the really heavy handed speech about his dad and like it was me screaming. You know, like yeah, the, the tragic backstory. Yes. Which I Another thought song. would pay off when he ran Johnny Tran off the bike and he went down the hill and I, and he came out of the car and he looked down and I thought he was going to go down and you know like attack him and then you know hold himself back because he had learned something but yeah yeah you know that would have you know paid off the scene earlier where you know he mercilessly beat johnny tran and yes. uh, um oh. at race wars but you know yeah no. yeah vin diesel versus the asian guy at race wars uncomfortable <laughs> 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 also porn for johnny tran's accomplice there shot in the back by paul walker who runs over yells to yells to a passerby call 911 and they just leaves to go chase after dom some more yeah that's another fun legal question <laughs> if you're an undercover cop right. and your friend gets gunned down and you jump in your car and you chase and you shoot the guy in the back without identifying yourself as a cop. You're, you would be allowed to use deadly force if the person was driving in such a way to put everybody's lives in danger. If you such as I mean. driving while like spraying 9,000 rounds of ammunition behind Yeah, I, 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 I think, yes. I, th- I think unloading an, uh, with a MAC-10 on like the neighborhood in, in Hollywood <laughs> is probably worth putting somebody down. I, I, think the cop, I think the cop would get away with that, but... Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, whether the cop would get away with is, is is different from whether it's legal. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. There's a subtle distinction <laughs> yeah. there, right? Yes. Yes. Asian lives matter. Race wars. Race wars. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I I can't decide whether we have to cut that or not. <laughs> I mean, if this is the kind of podcast that had a cold open, I would I would start. If this. there was a cold open, I would definitely race start wars. out with all of us <laughs> just going race wars. <laughs> what was it? So I didn't get the experience of getting to watch this with someone i watched this movie alone was it better watching it together like was oh it, yeah like, a million percent i would not have yeah. had eight. this was much fun it carries you through the whole scrapbooking portion of the movie <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah yes chris was my scrapbook for this movie yes so i have a theory about big box office movies like the ones that kind of are successful out of nowhere i think they always have a big ending this movie i feel like has a really solid i mean i don't know how how much i love it like from a logical sense but the last 20 mo- minutes of the movie is pretty good. Yeah. Like you can see why people would be like cheering for the end of the movie and stuff. It's pretty exciting. And it, it doesn't logically pay off the rest of the story, but it definitely is like a climax, you know, and some, some movies sometimes don't have that. Like uh, to be a blockbuster. I mean, I think that's a requirement. It, it comes from Jaws and Star Wars. You got to have absolutely. that set piece ending. Yeah, Jaws, mm-hmm. Star Wars, Rocky. There's, they sort of created the genre of the big summer blockbuster, right? Yep. And they all have a big, like satisfying conclusion to the film. I saw uh, Jurassic World, which I was just kind of like, I was like, oh, this is okay. Like, it's not that great. But there's the bit where the T-Rex is, the, or the Indominus Rex is there and the Mosasaurus comes out and like eats it. And like after that happens, the whole theater burst into spontaneous applause. And I was like, oh, this movie's going to make a lot of money. Like, I was just like, that, that's when people do that, they love, that's, they're going to tell their friends they loved it. They're going to go back to the movie, like, because yeah, that was a fun moment. Jurassic Park in general is really good about having those set pieces at the end, too. So um, the guy that directed this directed a movie that I really liked and I have not seen since it was in the movie theater. Did you guys read any of this back stuff? Uh, it, it, uh, recap it for the audience, since I already forgot about it. So he directed several episodes of Miami Vice, by the way. Really? Which you can that totally seems, see in yeah, this movie. Seems, it looks like yeah. Miami Vice in a yeah, lot that, of ways. That is right? a, yeah, that is a, like, clearly a huge like unsung influence on this movie. Yeah, but, just, the, but the movie I really liked that he did was Dragon. Do you guys remember that? The Bruce Lee story? Bruce Lee biopic? 
Yeah, I saw that movie like four times in the theater. I love that movie. I saw that. I know that I saw it in the theater. It quite possibly was with you. It might have been. So, but but I have not seen it since then. So all I remember is that it was a Bruce Lee biopic that I saw. I haven't seen it since then either. But I really liked it at the time. I mean, that was I was fifteen years old. So take that exactly. Yeah. I remember. Yeah, I remember thinking it was good. But he also apparently discovered the script for The Sting, and brought that to the screen. That's like what created his career was discovering the movie The Sting. And he um, and Witches of Eastwick was was his wow. project also. So it's a pretty random, successful yeah. stuff. That's not. Yeah. I don't really see a lot of commonalities between those things. But I think it's about time to talk about our biggest surprises. If we're going to keep this to an hour long show, I'm going to have to. My biggest surprise. I gave it away already. It was it was the possibility of Eminem having been in this movie. Mm-hmm. I thought that was. I thought that that's my biggest surprise of the whole thing. Um, again, I, I, again, I guess my biggest surprise was how you know. Again, calling this movie like sedate is definitely not it, but like the cultural significance of this series as oh, this is the completely ridiculous like like GTA style like over the top action franchise. And like going, like discovering that yeah, the first movie in this series is not that at all. Yeah. 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 like practically grounded compared to well that. you know i mean we, we mentioned this before but like baby driver which is a much better movie i don't mm-hmm. think that movie happens without this one i think this this movie looks a lot like baby driver right. i think i think that i think it, it's it's That's like if the, a better director did a fast and furious movie i feel like it's debatable whether or not baby driver would have happened without this because if only Maybe. because um, the music, the way the music is integrated with the movie, and the, the well, that's, just Edgar, that's Edgar Wright, though. Like that, that's just how Edgar Wright do. I think okay. music is the real star of Baby Driver. The yes. way cars are the star of this. Yes. You know what the pace of this film reminded me of was Die Hard's got a different pace for an action movie than a lot of things before it, which is what's I think part of what's really good about it. Yeah. But it was actually Lethal Weapon. The pace of Lethal Weapon, and even kind of the look of Lethal Weapon, I think has a lot to do with this one. Like yeah, I was kind of right. Maybe it's just L.A. Maybe it's just that it takes place in L.A. But there was something about the way the movie moves. So, Chris, did you have a biggest surprise? I know it's cliche, but, you know, when Sean Bean dies, three quarters. of No, um, sorry. <laughs> okay. I feel like I'm really bad about the biggest surprise. Wow. <laughs> but I guess my biggest surprise was just how bad the special effects in this were. I know yeah. I like from the very, very little I have seen, it gets a lot better. And this uh-huh. this looked not good at all. So the, the stunt work was great. But yeah, the, I thought so. Yeah. The effects they're they're like in some of these scenes, the cars are going down, and it looks like they're badly badly photoshopped green screened. I think they spent their money on practical effects. I mean, they crashed seventy eight cars making this movie. Yeah, like yeah. I think that's where the budget went, and I don't yeah. think that, like that cheesy like wormhole effect when he goes uh, with mm-hmm. the nitrous looks terrible. How many people do you think have died because of that sequence where they try to beat the train? How many real life people have thought that was a good idea because they saw that in this movie? I guarantee, I think this is going to be a tough choice. I think we're going to really have to search deep in our souls. Are we toasting this classic? I mean, can we split the difference and toast it without calling it a classic? Because I'm not going to lie. I did. I did wind up enjoying this movie a lot more than a lot more than i thought i would uh and even partly unironically because yeah like the, right. the, the you know the, the you know trucks in the end legitimately good like le- yeah legitimately good action it, sequence. Like, yeah good action sequence but at the same but, time like again a movie that like i that i'm seriously thinking about accusing um uh tommy we having ghost written i don't know if i can call that a classic I, uh, <laughs> one I fun know. thing is with three of us we get an actual definitive answer right yeah we actually will have a vote oh we'll be, have a tiebreaker yeah it can't be split so I one of the things I would have to say on the pro side is that when we saw I saw Pacific Rim and people mm-hmm. were complaining about it being a cheesy movie and I was like this is a movie about giant robots fighting giant monsters mm-hmm. like please judge it with that in mind yeah I and remember I, yeah I, I, yeah and, well, and I, I think I, I think with this one it's like this this a movie should be judged for what it is, right? I mean, it's not Shakespeare, you know? I mean, it's not, it's not like some classic. Classic is probably the wrong word to use, honestly. Yeah. But even the dreaded so, modern classic. But it's pretty what it comes down to for me is, would you want to sit down and watch this movie again? Would I want to sit down and watch? Do I want to watch the sequels? Would I want to watch this movie again? Mm, um, maybe that's the, yeah, maybe that's the, the more salient point. Because I, I, might, I might show it to Alex. I might sit down and watch it. He likes cars. He might enjoy that. I don't know. That, that might be. It is the start of a entire series. And I, I might want to watch another one. Sure. I can see mm-hmm. myself watching the second one. I don't think I'd go back and watch this movie a second time. No. There, there's too much. 
you know, dead space and crazy plot that doesn't go anywhere and what's nonsensical storytelling. There are corny movies that I've watched a bunch of times because they're sure. like fun to quote. Oh, Enter the Dragon. Very similar to this, actually, in a lot of ways, in the sense of like, you're watching it and you're not, you're, you're ironically laughing and enjoying the movie a lot of the time. But then occasionally it switches into being like legitimately awesome. Yes. It's got a lot of corny plot points and like the lines are really funny. The lines are funnier in Enter the Dragon. Like quoting Enter the Dragon is way more fun than quoting this movie. But yeah. I could see how if you were a little younger than we are, that this could have been a movie you watched a bunch of times with your buddies and got used to quoting because it's got some pretty that's probably exactly line. how this movie got as big as it is yeah i think so i think so i think it's for people that are a little younger so i, I guess i'm trying to kind of keep that in mind and i don't know i, mean, I, I don't doubt it is a classic for some people but yeah. I, I don't think it reaches that bar for me <laughs> yeah i'm way closer to toasting it than i thought i would be yeah uh, yeah, yeah I definitely definitely yeah like i definitely um, try to approach this with like i not i'm not gonna say with an open mind but i will say with a a childlike appreciation of its charms um and like mm -hmm. it is and like it is definitely um a little too bumpy and the dialogue just way too transcendently strange in parts for me yeah. to like you know not you know to, to maintain complete substantial disbelief but yeah i did not hate watching this movie but again no. um watching no, it like, with a, with a like-minded friend um was definitely a force multiplier in my enjoyment yeah, it was a lot more fun than i thought it would be yeah. this Weirdly, would be a fun it would be a lot better if vin diesel was not the star because he takes it huh. very seriously at all times and i just think it would be more fun if someone was kind of in on the joke i'm not he's sure he's that, not but like the the a comparison i'm going to pull out here that i'm sure neither of you've ever heard of <laughs> is a um a movie called the fp which is kind of a parody version of this one where instead of like um car racing it involves dance dance revolution and that <laughs> is a movie where all the actors are in on the joke but i would actually say it's not as good as this for that reason because yeah. like be, be, because, because it's be, a movie about dance dance revolution no be, oh. be, 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 because they're because they're they're not playing it straight enough yeah, yeah you know, I, if, if, if you take I, this movie and play completely straight well, then you I mean, have like an absurd humor well no like paul walker is also playing it straight and to have both of them play it straight the whole time is yeah. I don't think it works out. See, I'm, yeah, Paul Walker's playing it straight, but I don't know if Paul Walker was ever... Vin Diesel, from what I know of the rest of his career, I kind of think he might have gotten it, but still been playing it straight. He might have been playing it straight on purpose because it, it was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Paul Walker, is, I don't know. He was never really is, in a whole lot of other things. Is Vin think. Diesel... Kate, uh, uh, this is actually an interesting question. Has Vin Diesel done a movie where he didn't play completely straight? I feel yes. like he's actually a surprisingly yes. earnest actor. He's in this movie um, that the kids really like, where he plays uh, the pacifier. I think oh, it's called. Okay, I think that's what it's called. That's either him or yeah. the Rock. Uh, no, the, called oh, the Rock is the Tooth Theory. I think. Yes, correct. And I've seen both of those movies because the kids watch both of those movies. But anyway, yeah, the pacifier. Vin Diesel's in it, and he's he's pretty funny in it. Like he he, he seems to get he seems to be in on the joke, as far as I could tell. In in the way that The Rock usually is, and then of course you know Vin Diesel and The Rock both wind up being in these movies, right? Exactly, which is super confusing because they're kind of on the same brain cell for me anyway. The two of them, <laughs> and um, apparently they hate each other. Triple X is a uh, like oh. a completely straight performance. All right. All right. Anyway, yeah, we're definitely we're definitely wandering off into the weeds for real now. So because we're trying um, to avoid the question of how much we, we want to admit we like this movie. Yeah. Uh, so I enjoyed the movie. I don't know yes. if I would recommend it to somebody. Uh, Actually, maybe you know, what? you know what i would though like if if the three of us were gonna like put this movie on drink beers and like laugh and watch the movie i think we'd have a good time yeah actually, actually you know yeah. what i think I, so, I i i think i made up my, i think I, I i think i realized what what uh, my vote is i am roasting this movie because that's literally what we just did we roasted this movie in the way that, like you roast a celebrity okay like, so further, or, further like, argue me with love so yeah I, I enjoyed this movie but i gotta give it a roast but by the way of argument um, is just the fact that it started such a big uh, franchise. Yeah. That, I think, is always a piece of evidence in favor of something being a classic. I think that there's probably people very different than us for whom this is like an important movie. I don't know. I can't, I can't quite decide. I, no, I, like I, think you, I think you're on to something though, that it's probably something that like, we are like half a generation too old to fully appreciate it, 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 it the way this fan base does. Man. I think I'm going to, I think I'm going to go with the youth and I'm going to vote. Yes. I say toast. All right. So we, we know who our tiebreaker is. Yep. <laughs> <laughs>
it's not a bad movie. I just don't think it's a classic. So this is not this is not entering the toasting the classics canon. Okay, so we'll just drink, but we won't toast. All right. Well, maybe maybe better luck next time. Too fast, too furious. Yep. Yep. We're just cheersing to our own authority. We're not really. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, that was fun. So, um, yeah, it was a good time. So we d- we did not toast this classic. Unfortunately, it is no longer a classic. Um, Sorry, Vin. What about? Can I argue? I mean, Paul Walker's dead, man. You don't want to. You don't want to give a little props to the guy who's no longer. It's a poor little. Well, there's poor like little five more chances, right? Yeah, I guess so. That's true. I well, guess anyway. I called him a himbo, but I didn't direct, and, and that he had no chemistry, but I didn't directly insult his performance per se. I, don't, I think he's he's crying all the way to the bank, right? He doesn't yeah. care what you think of him. Yeah. So, uh, or you know, if he were alive, he wouldn't. Anyway, so thanks for coming on, guys. This was really fun. I think we should do this again, maybe with uh, Point Break. point break is a possibility for sure or maybe we should do something that actually has a chance of being a legit classic classic. (laughs) did you do Big Trouble Little China yet? oh no I haven't done that yet I I think yeah yeah, that wouldn't be a virgin watch (laughs) honestly I think Clint would be mad at me if I did Big Trouble Little China without him I think that's that's one that will be a lot of fun to watch it's Uh, like if you did The Hobbit without me I'd be annoyed (laughs) (laughs) oh like the book The Hobbit I was like I'm definitely not doing The Hobbit movie no, no, no. Well, I mean, you could do the uh, the rotoscope movie. I was gonna say you could just review oh, like, yeah. the cover batch's performance of the. Oh no, you might like the Rankin Bass one. No, no, no. Right? Yeah, like the old I was one, thinking yeah. of like just Cumberbatch in the smog. Uh, oh, that is such a great clip. Yeah. Great. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks for coming on, guys. This was a really good time. I think it was a little bit too much of a good time because it went way over. Uh, it's mm-hmm. kind of hard to kind of hard to keep this to a. Um... So anyway, uh, Toasting the Classics is out for this week. Say say goodbye, guys. Goodbye. Would you like to plug your podcast or or your uh, your blog or your Twitter? Oh, I always I I, I record oh. a separate outro that that does all that at the end. In that case, so. <clears throat> it has been a pleasure being on. Thank you so much. Race wars. Race wars. <laughs> Race wars. <laughs> Bye. Bye. That's it for episode thirty-three of Toasting the Classics. For those playing along at home, get some pineapple and orange juice, coconut rum, grenadine, and maraschino cherries, and mix them up into a Malibu sunset. For our discussion of the 1966 Beach Boys album Pet Sounds, if you'd like to get in touch, please send us an email at toastingtheclassics at gmail.com. Send us show ideas, comments, complaints, and let us know if you're fast and furious curious. Check out my blog at theattractivenuisance.com and follow us on Twitter at @attractivenuisance. Our music was written by Michelle MacArthur. See you next time on Toasting the Classic. Mm-hmm.